0: Greetings, everyone. <laughs> I haven't zoomed for a while. Uh, I've been uh, zooming internally <laughs> in my cootie in the in the forest, uh, and uh, so good get good to get back to this room again. And hopefully, uh, it's going to be something that's of service to you. And uh, we can continue these sessions for a few weeks, anyway. Um, so how's it been? <laughs> How is it ever? How is it ever? How is experience? Isn't it always changing, shifting, amorphous? Uh, it's like the weather. Yeah. Weather. You know, is it good weather, bad weather, or is it just weathery weather? Mm. Violent storms, cool, calm passages, sunny days, sometimes dull. Now I'd like to pursue a theme of citta perhaps over the next few sessions. This is a central term in, in Buddhism as you probably hear me referring to it many times because mm. it's the probably the central term apart from dukkha. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the more more uh, uplifting central term. This is chitta and the expression is uh, for liberated liberated chitta. And uh often in the suttas when someone becomes liberated it says, you know, their their heart the chitta is liberated from the asava through non clinging. Liberated from the asava. So he's finished his rebirth, I've done what needs to be done, you know, that's it. The jitta has been released so that's pretty important isn't it to know what that is Um, one sets one's jitta up straight direct Mm. nothing can do you so much harm as an untrained jitta nothing can do you so much good as a trained jitta by an untrained jitta a person is ruined by a trained jitta a person is blessed one who is pure in citta is called Buddha so it's pretty important right so what is this And so naturally we try to find a word for it mind, heart, awareness, consciousness these are the terms that tend to be used Um, words are words the Buddha was talking about Direct experience, he never really explained what jitta was, he said what it does. And uh, citta is both subject to ignorance, contamination, and confusion, it's subject to asava, which means corrupting influences. And it can also be liberated from these corrupting influences. Asava, things leak in. Uh, and what leaks in are tendencies to, to solidify and grasp and hold on. So this is the main focus where we're really trying to look at. And how do we do this? What is it that looks at citta? How can you be aware of citta? Of course, here the language has problems, but uh, as we practice, we say, like here we have the very Standard Satipatthana sequence, body, feeling, citta, and then various phenomena or dhammas that are relevant to liberation, for foundations for Sati. So as we come in through body, directly experiencing body, yeah, rather than thinking about body or seeing body with the eye, directly experiencing body, then this is seen as um, pretty essential in order to really realize what jitta is. Because it's through this sense of establishing a focus, one could acknowledge the very simple experience of body. There is both uh, uh, an experience that is affective, being affected, it's stirred, it's moving, it's warm, it's hard, it's soft, and there's an awareness of that. So you have the two, you have an affective sense and an awareness. And in the Satipatthana, this dual experience, dual focus, is always established around feeling and around Jitta itself. Jitta is something that's affected, it's moving, it's changing its moods, it's happy, and it says it's affected by passion, by aversion, and probably many other things. Um, it's affected by um, hatred, by delusion, it's contracted. Seizes up, it's extended, expands, it's exalted, it's lifted up, it's depressed, it sinks down, and so forth. So this is quite a quite a phenomenon, isn't it? So in the Satipatthana, you look at body, and you see the various forms the body can take, both an external form of corpse, flesh, blood, sinews, an internal form, breathing. Can't see it but you certainly it's happening so you have a, something you can see with your eyes external something you sense you feel is happening to you internal breathing that's body too yet the internal which is the most significant because that's what keeps you alive you is not a thing at all you can't have a breathing it's a it's a process yeah. so with this we begin to understand internal-external. External External means that which we can witness through an external sense base. Internal, that which is experienced directly in itself. And the two are are ways of coming to terms with experience. Come to terms with mind. External mind, we can say, oh, that's my aversion. That's my craving. That's my passion. I can name it. I can talk about it. When I'm experiencing it, what do I experience? I don't experience the thing with, with words on it. I experience is a flush of heat, or a surging, or a cramping, or a tingling, or an opening. Yeah. These internal qualities that are wordless. Uh, and often the internal experience is that which we are most um, moved by. Because the internal experience becomes myself. Notably, particularly with chitta, the internal experience of chitta is me. Here am I excited, or here am I saddened? Here am I nervous? Yeah. That becomes me. And at some point, I can also I can witness it. So there's there's that bad habit. Again, that's that terrible bad habit I have. And then it becomes myself, yeah. me, myself. These are internal, external references to chitta because this sense of I am is certainly uh, a way in which chitta can be um, noted. But of course, there isn't a person there. There isn't a person there. There's the manifestation of something that's subjective, familiar, highly affected, intimate, activated. Yeah. Very, very uh, vulnerable, sensitive, dynamic, uh, forceful. Yes, it's chitta, it's not self, it's not a person, it's a constantly moving, shifting, changing force. So, this is the quality of chitta the affected sense. As it's affected, it, it responds. Now, it's affected, it responds, it builds up certain momentum of drives and these drives get habitual because jitta as it's affected and response is also kind of learning something. It's learning that will take me there. I think that will get me there. That will get me what I want. That will get me away from what I don't want. So establish the particular tracks that it runs along. This is how I get away from pain. This is how I get to what I desire. This is how I avoid things. Uh, this is how I, I don't notice anything. This is how I focus. Yeah. So it gets a lot of these qualities called in- intentions, chitanas, chitta and chitana. It gets, it gets activated and it learns particular intentions. And these intentions are an aspect of what's called sankhara they formative tendencies because as you follow them, they become ingrained, so they become the tracks down which your chitta will run. We get habitual. It learns certain things, it learns certain things, and it runs down those tracks. And those tracks become quite can be quite quite rigid. So one becomes bound by the limitations of one's habits. And to move outside that is scary, weird. Uncomfortable, I don't feel like myself. And in meditation, oh, it's good, good if you don't feel like yourself. That's really good. If you feel disoriented, and um, that's really good. <laughs> it's not comfortable, but it's good because you're not following your own tracks anymore. So often meditation is a pretty, should be a fairly disorienting experience. In order to, to freshen up, you've got to come to a place where you just. Uh, and not run down the tracks. The tracks are very, very attractive. That's what tracks are, the attractives. And our attention scans experience. That's jitta too. Scanning experience. And here I can go that way, I can go that way. This also is jitta. Or another aspect of the sankharas that jittas arise. Affective, affected, responsive, learns gets habitual as it gets habitual it gets stuck in its habits and those habits become I am this I can't be anything other than this this is what I am I have to have this I can't do that we build a prison or Chitta builds its own prison through this it learns but it's learning is biased by ignorance, by not what it doesn't know is Nibbāna. It doesn't know the way out of suffering. It doesn't know the way to release. That's what it doesn't know. So it can construct all kinds of formations, chitta-sankāras, that will perpetuate it in the conditioned world, in the world of sense, social contact, Roles, purposes, and so forth, but it won't get out of that. So this is what's called rebirth. So we understand this quality of citta and how effective it is, but also begin to acknowledge also this what we call the mirror-like quality, the mirror noetic. Perhaps it's a strange word. jitta can witness. It can witness itself. Now, this may seem odd. Like, how can you, how can a chitta witness itself? Well, you see, how a body, for example, can um, feel pain and know it feels pain without having to think about it. It immediately as pain. It gets that immediately. It doesn't have to be separate. It's both involved with its experience and also, by itself, already knowing its experience. So we know something's hot. We don't have to think, oh, that's hot. We put a finger in the fire, the body knows it's hot and jumps out before we can think about it. It knows it's hot because it... it <laughs> that's the nature of, of, uh, of, 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 of awareness, of intelligence, which is actually in everything. Everything has this. Everything, living thing, has this thing. So chitta can be both knowing and affected at the same time you can know it's being affected how does it know it's being affected because there's a certain energetic shift we feel heightened we feel shoved we feel reactive we feel soothed you know, and it witnesses these it's aware of these they can know that now with some training you can put more and more focus on the knowing of experience of effectiveness so you can feel the discomfort but not react to it not blame somebody else for it not blame yourself for it because that doesn't go to nibbana um, why go there why add more and by bringing your awareness onto the effective sense and not following it gradually that particular track wears out. The less we follow it the less we carve that track so we can feel something's not going the way I like it. Mm-hmm. It's like this. I don't say I like it. But eventually it doesn't say anything. It's, 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 it's stopped. <laughs> so these effects can be um, knowing these effects can be um, uh, moderated or they will tend to moderate themselves not by trying to moderate them just the fact of awareness itself moderates these effects this is a very important thing to know yeah. so the affective sense and the learning sense which is often very um, biased and there's a uh, knowing sense, effective sense and as a volitional sense it drives, moves forward wants to make something happen. And the other feature which makes it so also vital is that jitta has centrality to it. It means experiences it has no particular set boundaries so one can be with jitta you can be aware of feelings in your body. You could be within that boundary. You could focus on you know, the um, memories in your mind. You could be within that. You could focus on the people you know. You could bring those to mind. So it can more or less include whatever you set your attention to. There's no fixed boundary. The boundary can change. It can extend over the whole planet. It can extend over a year of your life. It can extend over the day. It can extend over the welfare of another person. Uh, so it, isn't, it can be very small, but it could be just at the edge of your breathing. It could be that small. There's no specific boundary, but what it always has, a very specific centre to it. I am aware of that. So the centre is held by I am. Mm-hmm. And this is the fundamental You might say the fundamental problem is this contamination of citta it is centered but it is predominantly self-centered i am aware of this with this then there come in all kinds of subjective biases because the the i am begins to acquire personal preferences and then everything is seen from that perspective, what I like, what I don't like. I look at that and I don't think she's the way she should be. I look at that, I'm aware of that. that seems a mess to me. And I look at that that's I really like to have one of those. and I remember this and you know, so this sense of self affects the center and, narrow, and keeps it <clears throat> in the wrong place. So as we practice, uh, we start to deliberately. Generate uh, alternative centre. First centre we try to establish is the centre of ethics. Yeah, whether I like her or him, I don't abuse. I don't lie. I don't steal. So we begin to establish chitta centred in ethics. And this, what ethics actually means it's definitely doable because the nature of chitta though it has a sense it's always trying to find itself in a state of harmony with what's around it. It doesn't want to be in conflict. It doesn't want really to have to defending itself or fighting things. It wants to feel comfortable. Yeah? So it has a sense of how can it be comfortable? How can it always be comfortable? And essentially what chitta moves towards is either law justice systems you know external structures you do this you do that i'll be here you do that this is the rule yeah which is an external measurement we can write it down these are the seven rules these are the 10 rules this is the protocol everybody does that we'll be in harmony it's an external measurement and it's an internal measurement which is empathy which means well however you are i feel i want to be kind and tolerant and open and you know, and share with you, and find how we can make, make a kind of get on with each other with our funny habits. <laughs> so, these two are the kind of feelers of chitta, and they come together as ethics. In um, ethics, it's not exactly like law and order, but it's a sense of appropriate convention. According to what's, we both makes us both feel most upright and comfortable. We are respectful to each other, and it's a very very funny thing, you know, the amount of laws there are in any society, the number of laws, every year there's more laws created. <laughs> Every day, there's another law being created, and there's more police and more law courts, or more people getting going to jail, and more people breaking laws. I think well, law and order doesn't seem to work very well, does it? <laughs> yeah. because what's missing is empathy. So, in, you know, in Buddhist practice, there's a sense of justice is not exactly the same as law it's a sense of you know how we get on reasonable reasonable boundaries you know and essentially it's based upon respect whereas law is generally not based upon respect at all (laughs) it's based upon an idea from you know an idea Maybe a good idea. Uh, people shouldn't drive faster than this. That's a good idea, but very much a theory. It doesn't. A, you know, you can't drive faster than sixty miles an hour. That's not a bad idea, as an idea, but it depends. If you're drunk, you shouldn't be driving at all. If you can't drive, you shouldn't. You can't drive very well. You shouldn't drive faster than twenty. So it's a matter of Buddhist ethics. Very much makes it much more personal. Much more subjective. What works for you? What works for me? How do we work together? What's a harmonious way of living? This is very much a jitter experience. This this itself is a huge training. When you're with with people, um, fundamental, because it's not about um, the right system. You know, if you tr- monasteries, you try to run a kitchen in a monastery, you realise that. After a while, law is not going to make the, what, the kitchen comfortable. If we create 15 rules of how the food should be cooked, that does not make a comfortable kitchen. You've got six people there trying to cook up some food, give them a load of rules. What will happen is somebody will break a rule and somebody else will criticise them for it. You know? Or they can't. You know? So you say, well, actually, what we need to do is... Hello, how are you? Um, what should we do today? How can we make this work for each other? Uh, give me some advice, you know, uh, let me know what's going on, or if it's difficult, um, can I, how can I support you? Or, you know, actually, empathy. And then with empathy, you can create a reasonable structure. This is chitta. This is certainly the way to, to operate as a group. Sangha tends to operate that way. We have all kinds of training rules, but essentially they're just, uh, they're, there's, no rules. there's no punishment involved. The you know, main thing is that harmony of the Sangha is kept through fellow feeling and trust and mutual respect. This is a chitta property. If you establish that, then that creates a sense of stability and comfort and ease that means you don't have to have things going exactly my way anymore you, know, you don't have to have a narrow system that I. That this is the way I want it to be because it's too uncomfortable to keep trying to impose that upon life right because life doesn't do that it doesn't go the way I want it to uh, no matter how many laws you create so instead we begin to place the, the prioritized chitta, rather than mental construction conventional construction into a situation and very much the case with other human beings but one should certainly extend it to the world in general to creatures, plants, animals, you know and even to, certainly to your own body, what is the body capable of doing today? What's its capacity? Respectful. I was saying to somebody the other day, it was getting rather old, and people were saying, well, maybe he's got dementia. Senile, I said, well, maybe. But like all of us, as you get older, you generally tend to lose your cognitive faculties. There's no such label you know where suddenly you know there's a general diminution of cognitive capacity i can't remember things like I used to be able to. Um, what counts is how you how you handle it, how you manage it, how you live in harmony with it, how you right, how you relate to it so this very fundamental property of respect relationship with experience, um, which should be there as the first base stabilizing and evening out and settling the mind. You come into meditation, what you call meditation when you're sitting still or walking or standing, you call it meditation now. It's really just refined ethics. How does this body sit? In this condition, how does it sit? How's it most comfortable? How do I come to terms with it, relate to it? A body in this particular condition, sick. We always assume. The idea is, you know, meditation body. It sits cross-legged. It sits upright. It's always healthy. <laughs> There's no room for ill health. Ill health is a disaster. Um, you can't meditate for you if you're sick. Well, the nature of the body is to be sick. So why don't we stop? Take the word meditation just put it to one side so how do you relate to st- stabilizing settling into your body when it is when its health is not strong then you begin to really know how what meditation is as a relational experience using your chitta not your thinking mind but your direct experience. <clears throat> And this is so. There's there's the knowing of it, and you're being affected by certain sensations, feelings, energies, and you respond to them. Whether one's healthy, distressed, agitated, um, depleted, this is cultivation. Cultivation is not becoming a bronze Buddha rupa. Cultivation is this kind of work of meeting the unpredictable, amorphous nature of experience and how I relate to it. So in the relationship, that becomes the center, right? So instead of the I am the center, with my wishes, my aims, my ideas, my theories, yeah. My expectations, the center of it is relationship. Doesn't that make sense? So in the conditioned world, in the world of conditions, The lowest number you can get is two, not one. There's never a single condition. There's always two at least. right? There's, say, my mind and my body, my awareness and my thoughts, uh, my emotions and my reactions to them. So there's at least two. Wouldn't it therefore be most harmonious to not favour one but to favour how the two get on with each other. How the two get on with each other. And that being much more a topic for wisdom for clear discernment. Then the mirroring effect of the mind is discerning how these energies cooperate. And we discern that that balance, that discernment is the center. Not the phenomena, not the mood or the feeling or the thought, but the discernment. Where it's balanced. It's not tipping, we're not favoring or rejecting. That is both the sense, it's also settled because it's not based upon anything that can change. That's why it's supremely settled. Because it's not based upon the feeling or the emotion or the thought or the physicality or the energy. It's based upon the relationship. Now, the items in that relationship can change, but the quality of relatedness is dispassionate, calm, disengaged, sensitive, open. This is a possibility for Jita. This is our first base where we we'll begin to bring around the quality of unbinding, Nibbana. Nibbana, the unbinding which means instead of these inbuilt assumptions and attitudes and aims that we run down, like railway tracks, the mind races down, it gets very good at it, it's very fast at it, it enjoys it, it loves that race down to that nice clear central plan of what I'm going to do, how I'm going to organize everything and Yes, and, and this is this and she's that and I'm this and that's Thursday and tomorrow da, 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 da. it likes that but that does not go to Nibbana that's the railway to Sangsara that's Sangsara Express <laughs> yeah. pull up the tracks well, don't even pull up the tracks but find the place which doesn't have a track this is the point the balancing point which is sensitive aware attuned it doesn't rest upon an opinion a purpose an idea of a future it doesn't aim to get anywhere it doesn't try to state anything about what i am it's empty so it stands on Purely on itself, not upon any phenomena or any noumenon, any knowingness, any ideas. Therefore, this is called the supatitta citta, the citta that is placed upon itself. This is our first basis. From this, we don't really have to do a lot of uprooting because the quality of that has such a almost like a quietly galvanizing power uh, collected samadhi power when it knows that fit it doesn't want the others the tracks begin to fade out because in fact they're not physical tracks they're purely created by mental habits the mental habit ceases the tracks fade out so this is your first Basis, and from this you begin to understand quite a few things. Constructions of the mind. Mm. These are the sankharas, which um, generally can be quite good, not necessarily bad at all, effective, efficient, um, but not nibonic, mm. because they keep going, and you have to keep running down them, and keep them in good repair, and get, and eventually. They do tend to fade out as you become less able to keep keeping them going. And this is something to, to, to really learn, because you you know you, you don't want to be trying to keep all that stuff going when you're 85 years old, you know, and the planning and the organizing and the and "I want this and I can't do that." You meet people who do that, still trying to do that when they're 85, really miserable, desperate so he said, just get off track you don't need it and so this um, of course this is often these tracks are complements to one's sense of identity I am someone I can do this I go this way I can get things done I never do that so the sense of self and the sense of the tracks complement and reinforce each other Though. so when you shift away from the self center to the ethical relational center of citta it's still got the property of knowing it still has the property of being affected it's sensitive but it's no longer based upon history and personhood this is our main preliminary basis as you notice as you sit in meditation when your mind is tracks, it will build your personal world. No effort at all. Your personal world, your preoccupations, tomorrow, your work, your family, your health, your concern with personal dilemma. It's embarrassing how much one personal world becomes the total picture of life. <laughs> it is really astonishing and embarrassing how my preoccupations can be 100% of my (laughs) my attention (laughs) and nothing else matters. (laughs) I can sit there in meditation. Nobody's bothering me. Nobody's giving me a hard time. I can create misery. Um, The terrible deal I'm getting, of course, somebody doesn't respect me. (laughs) Or yesterday she did this and I told them not to. You know, your personal world can occupy all the space of your mind. And be completely convincing that this is really what you need to get into to sort it out. That is, that's the track. And that's what the, these currents, these asava, these influxes, they know those tracks and they pump energy down those tracks and they create the personal world. That then we try to make it everything else fit into it. <laughs> this is why, you know, the the barn is called. You know, when you've eliminated these asava, so the energies don't run down those tracks. Then your your awareness is not preoccupied with me, mine, and what happened to me, and why I don't, and how I could. What a lot of burden off the mind. So. <laughs> So then, of course, this is, you know, how do you do this? Start the shift to relational basis. How am I with my body? How, do, how am I with or an angry mood? How does my body feel in an angry mood? How do I calm the angry mood in my body? How do I come to the terms of the fact that I'm not always so nice? Yeah. I'm not the cut out, I like to be. I'm not a nice, easygoing person. That I think I should be all the time. How do I come to terms with that? How do I relate to that? How does my body relate to it? And in that relationship, we learn all the skills of wisdom and compassion and kindness and clarity and, of course, non attachment, no clinging. And this is Nibbana here and now. So I'll pause there for your reflection, and a few moments to turn things over. Uh, anything useful um, that you might like to, to bear in mind. And I'll, I'll return to these themes over the next few weeks if conditions support um, to keep because everything in the world goes the other way from what I'm talking about. <laughs> so does need reminders. <laughs>